Man, we can go home now. We had church. Praise Jesus. God is good. God is so, so good. I'm still psyched by Amy's announcement, you know. I'm still, you know, trying to process the talent, you know. I'm just, I'm just at all psyched. So, as I was driving by this morning, I was, I was so excited to, because I knew that I was going to, that God had given me a good word to share. And it's always good when, when you know that in the process of your preparation, you know, you know that God has been in it the whole time as God was speaking to me. Even this morning as I was reviewing my notes, God was still giving me a new word and a new word and a new word. And I was like, wow, what am I, what of all this excitement am I going to say? Am I going to have enough time to preach all this? But we are. We are. So join me. I'm going to be reading from the book of Matthew. I'm going to be reading from the second chapter, verses 2 to 11. And as I shared this morning at the 9 o'clock, this is a story that to me has a special, special meaning and it applies to what Pastor Miguel was sharing with the children. We're going to go a little, we're going to dive in a little bit of, of that this morning. So we're going to go ahead and read this word. And I pray that as we read it, you know, it'll sink in our hearts and it'll penetrate so that the word will continue to be alive in us. And the word says... And asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Jerusalem, in Judea, they, said, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child, for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, 
and myrrh. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Holy Spirit, I ask of you that you continue to speak to my life and to speak to the life of each and every brother and sister here in the house today. And Father, as I share this word, I want to share it with the knowledge that you have given me and that you continue to give me. But not only that, Lord, I ask that you continue to speak to my heart and reveal to me what I need to continue to do to glorify you as I pray these things also for my brothers and sisters today. Father, let this word empower us today. Let us not leave this place as we walked in, but let us leave full of your power and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. How many of you are ready to hear a good word? Amen? So am I. And I want to start off by sharing that Although you might not believe this, I am Hispanic. I know it's hard to believe. I know there's a strong resemblance, you know, between me and Jim Perkle. Um, you know, people confuse us all the time. And it's an honor for me to be confused with Jim, let me tell you. Most Latin America, uh, we celebrate a day called Dia de Reyes. Say it with me. Dia de Reyes, which translates to Three Kings Day in English. Now, it's another Christmas day. It's another Christmas holiday. You know that the, uh, for Santa Claus, we leave, we leave the milk and the cookies, and, and, you know, little did I knew that parents uh, would, would benefit from that. But, you know, we, we would, as children, we're leaving for the Santa Claus, and then the next morning, we saw the empty glass of milk, the empty plate of cookies, and a tree full of presents, right? So for Three Kings Day, as Pastor Miguel explained to our children, it's, the dynamic is that we go outside on January 5th, a day like today, we would, get, we would have empty shoe boxes, fill them out with grass and a glass of water, put it under our beds, and then the... Camels would eat the grass, drink the water, and dropped gifts. Now, my mother, my mother, uh, although I am Puerto Rican, come from Puerto Rican parents, but my mother was born and raised in the States. I was born and lived my first seven years in the States. So we didn't celebrate. As a matter of fact, my mother didn't even know too much about this holiday. She was big into December 25th, and that's all, that's all I knew. So when we moved to Puerto Rico in summer of 1979, I was a rising second grader, and, uh, you know, it, it, it was a culture shock because schools over there and schools here are so different. Um, there was a lot of adjustments that I had to do in my life, but come... The holidays come December, we were already on our breaks, and Christmas breaks in Puerto Rico, guys, it's a lot longer than the, holiday, than the Christmas breaks here, you know, because I learned that we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate New Year, we celebrate Three Kings, and then eight days after, we call them the Octavitas. Oh, yeah, we, Puerto Ricans, we celebrate a cockroach and a hand dance. We, we look for an excuse to party. That's right. 
The mayor of my city would have birthdays four times a year just to do a roadblock. I mean, that's the way it is. But when I go there, and, and when, I, when I get to, to, uh, to that first Christmas holiday in the island, now I am the firstborn grandson, the firstborn nephew. So it was eight uncles and aunts, and then it was me, my brother, and two other cousins. We were spoiled. I mean, we had trash bags full of toys. And the family kept growing, and the presents started shrinking, and I started questioning what's, what's up with this, you know, but that's another story. Then I would go to school. I mean, you know, after the long break, we would go back to school, and then, of course, we start, I would start bragging because, face it, I would have some cool toys. So I would go to school, and my friends would come up to me and say, hey, so what you have for Christmas? What is Santa Claus bringing? I'm over here just bragging and fronting about my gifts and just telling them about all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, I want to say, what about, what did the three kings brought you? Who? Now, wait a minute, who? Yeah, the three kings, you know, they, they, they also bring gifts. What? Huh? So they say, yeah, you, 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 you collect, you know, uh, we collect shoes and, and grass and, and, and water and we put in our beds and then we get presents the next day. Did they not give you anything? I'm over here thinking, what did I do wrong here? You know, so I started, I started questioning and I started thinking to myself, for six years I've been cheated. So, so, the, the, so, you know, so I started thinking about a, a, a civil lawsuit that I was going to do against my parents, against my mom and dad, and say, hey, you know, you owe me six years of presents, you know. So it was a, it's a holiday that, we, that, that I learned. It was a holiday that I learned that, that every year on January 6th, you know, we would, do a, we would do celebrations. Of course, you know, I won the argument because then after that, mom would leave me one gift. You know, she didn't want the shoebox or the grass because that was a mess. But, um, but the, she said, don't worry, they know, they know. So they'll drop the gift. Don't worry, don't, you don't have to do all that. So, hey, fine, no work, gifts. It's a win-win. So I learned about the, the, the holiday. But then when I started my walk with Jesus, then I understood more about, okay, what, what the meaning of it all. So as I was reading the story, and I love this story, because the story talks about these wise men, that they see a star from their country of origin, and they journeyed away. Now, I shared this morning uh, to the 9 o'clock that, you know, we like, my family and I, we like to do road trips, you know, we like to do not so much now, but before we used to drive all over the place. I love driving. So when we would go to my mother's house to Florida, you know, I have to stop every so often for a break. I have to stretch. I have to, you know, restroom break or snack break, snacks especially, and, uh, and all that good stuff. And then I think about these men that were traveling with camels. Could you imagine the journey in camels through all the way to where Jesus was? So the Bible tells us that they journeyed away, and then when they arrived, verse 2 would say that the question was asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. 
I'm going to stop right there. As you can imagine, and as we read the story, the question that was asked, where is the king of the Jews, this question caused commotion. This question caused confusion in the city. You know, people probably were asking, what, what king are we talking about? Who are you talking about? Probably like me when they said what the Magi's gave you. I'm over here saying, what? I'm thinking that was the same reaction. Where is the king of the Jews? Who? You know, the king of the Jews, we come to worship it. Who? What are you talking about? So this caused a lot of commotion, and I'm thinking to myself that these wise men, they assumed that everybody in the city knew about the birth of the king. Therefore, they were assuming, and they thought that the reaction of the people when the question was asked was going to be one of those that said, what? Praise Jesus, the Messiah is here, but they didn't get none of that. They got the commotion, the confusion of the who. But you know, what amazes me about these magis is their focus. They were focused on finding this king no matter what. They were focused on going to the king to worship the king of the Jews that was born because they saw the sign and they followed the sign and they went towards the sign. So, to me, it speaks... So when I wake up in the morning and I am going to journey to the house of God, we are expected to come to the house and expect a movement of the Holy Spirit in the house. So when, you might not believe this, but I'm a little loud. I know it's hard to believe. But trust me, I'm a very exciting guy. I love to jump for joy. I love to worship. I love to dance. And I love to give it all for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I love it when when we're in worship and somebody says, give me a shout of joy. And the house wants to erupt. Because I tell you one thing. If in a coliseum or in an arena... There are two teams, and my favorite team wins, and I'm going to cheer for a bunch of guys that don't know who I am. Why am I not going to cheer for the king who died for me, who gave me my name, and gave his life for me in the cross of Calvary? So, give him a shout of joy. Give him all. He is the king of kings. I remember one day I was invited to preach at a church. A friend of mine, and, and he was giving me the fair warning because he knows me. He knows I'm an exciting guy. But when I go, I'm not expecting, you know, everybody to be the same. But I remember he yelled out and said, Shout for joy. And you could hear the crickets. Yeah, 
I was like, you probably shouldn't have done that yet. And I knew that was because you expect. You expect for the people to react to the presence of the king the way that we react. So is it, are we are going to react with a shout of joy? Or are we going to be confused and say, wait a minute, I don't want to shout. That's outside of my comfort zone. How will we react in worship? I realize that this is part of a story that helps me to wonder, where is my focus? Where is my focus? Am I focused in the presence of God or am I focused in the presence of people? Am I focused in giving all of me to God and, and, and for God to be pleased with me? Or am I focused in pleasing the people? To be evaluated by people. I'd rather have an army of people mad at me but God happy than to have an army of people happy with me and God not pleased at all. So thank God that we're all on the same page. Because I don't have to work hard to convince anybody that God is good. God is good. These men were men of faith. They were men of faith who believed the sign that was given to them by the Lord. They, but they depended only in God's divine grace. And as they followed the star, as verse 9 describes, says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is going to tell you when to go? And he's going to tell you when to stop. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you when to go. And he's going to tell you when to stop. My advice, don't go until you're told to go. Don't stop until you're told to stop. If we go when we say stop, we are going to fall in our faces. And then we're going to get back up. And then we're going to blame God for my disobedience. We learn how to listen to the Spirit, and we learn when God is saying go and when God is saying stop. These men, they knew, and they saw the star, the star stop. They immediately knew this is where the king is. So those of you that are going to listen to this recording and live in this neighborhood... You can go, but stop here on Sunday. Learn when to stop. Because God always brings a good word. Isn't God great? Now, the Bible says that when they arrived to the house where Jesus was, they bowed down and worshipped him in reverence 
and in humbleness. Where I was raised in Puerto Rico, there was only two churches in the, in, up in the hills. There was a Pentecostal church and there was a, a small Catholic church. And they feuded against each other, but we're not going to get into that. My grandparents, my family, we were raised in a Pentecostal movement. Maybe that's why I'm loud. And when we used to go, when we go to the church, the custom was that once we go in the church, I remember as a kid, I would see people in their pews, on their knees, praying. When they walked in the house, they would find a spot, and before they would say anything to anybody, they would pray. They would walk in quietly. Reverence. They would walk in quietly and kneel down in the pulpit, in, in their pews, or some in the altar, and they would pray because to them, it was important that the first person that was going to receive my greeting was the owner of the house. And I remember when I used to walk there with my grandparents as a six-year-old boy, and grandmother, my grandmother doesn't play that game. She would say, now listen to me. These people are praying. You keep your mouth shut. That was it. And Jose had to keep his mouth shut. So I'm over here looking. So grandpa was in one corner. I was in the middle. Grandma was in the other corner. I was intimidated by these two prayer warriors, and I was right in the middle just looking. And I would look. And if I think that they're peeking, I'm over here shutting my eyes. You know, I'm playing along. Then I'm looking again. Reverence. Bowing down to, to in the presence of the king. Reverence. Not only that, I remember people would blast their radios throughout, and then when they would go passing by a church, they would lower their radios. They didn't know anything about Jesus, but they knew what this house represented. And they would say, I have to lower the radio. This is God's house. And as they pass, they will blast the music again. Reverence. Reverence. These men, as they went to Jesus... They bowed down with humbleness in front of a baby, in front of a baby king, because they knew who this baby was. How much do we know about the God we serve? How much do we love him enough to be in reverence in his presence? Can I have five minutes? Ten, maybe? Now, remember, I'm in Puerto Rican time. I'm not sure if these wise men, when they presented their gifts, they understood the meaning behind these gifts. Each one of them were, were appropriate for a king. We're talking about myrrh, frankincense. Gold. These men saw these gifts appropriate for a king. They offered myrrh because it was commonly used as an anointing oil. 
They offered, them, they offered him frankincense as a perfume, and they offered gold as valuable because it was fit for a king. These three gifts. What they did not realize was the prophetic message behind these gifts, the spiritual meaning that each one of these had. Now, when we're talking about myrrh, the embalming oil was the symbol of death. The gift spoke prophetically that this baby king came to this earth to die for us. That was the meaning behind myrrh. Frankincense, an incense as a symbol of deity. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, for, thee, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus. One God in three persons. So frankincense is a symbol of deity. Jesus offered his blood so we can be cleansed. Now the good news, because there is good news, is that he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And not only he sits at the right hand of the Father, he is our defender. Myrrh, frankincense, and then gold. Gold as a symbol of kingship on earth. In the old days, gold was given in honor to royalty. So as gold was offered to this king. What these three gifts is telling me is that the king, 100% man, 100% God, came to this earth to die a death where I was supposed to be in. Yet he took my place. I want to close this. And as I close this, you know, one of the things that I do a lot, and I shared it this morning, I like to, every day I evaluate myself. I evaluate myself, and I ask God that the Holy Spirit will reveal to me if I was walking his path or his will, or have I stumbled and failed? On a daily basis, I can assure you, there is something that God is convicting me of where I need to get back on the horse. 
And I know that that applies to each and every one of us here today. If you were to evaluate, because in my mind, these men offered their best to Jesus. They offered their best worthy of a king. What do you have to offer the King of kings and Lord of lords? What do you have to offer? Every day I wake up and I pray to God and say, God, wherever I go, I can be in 20,000 places throughout the week, but I only represent one. And that one is you. And every day I evaluate me because the next day I want to continue to give my best to God. What do you have to offer? Now this right here is a Christmas story. It's the continuance of a Christmas story that is shared throughout the whole year. God's plan and his purpose does not stop on New Year's. Does not stop on January 6th. It continues until he comes again for his church. Now, there's one thing that excites me about Jesus is the fact that he is going to come again. My question is, when that day comes, how will we react? Will we rejoice because we're going home or will we be confused? I pray to God Almighty that each and every one of us sitting here today, we can rejoice because home is waiting. The altar is about to open in just a few moments. I'm going to ask the prayer team to make their way forward. And as Pastor Miguel anoints the prayer team to get them ready to receive those that will come for prayer, here is my challenge to you, church. This is a new year. This is a new year. And as it is a new year, it's a new purpose. As it is a new year, it's a new opportunity. And as it is a new year, the Bible says that God makes everything new. The old is gone. Now, it's a new day. So God wants to start with you. He wants to start with you. He will pour fresh water into this glass, meaning the sanctuary. But he will not pour fresh water into the glass until the glass is clean. 
He will not pour fresh water on used gifts. He will pour his blessing when each and every one of us will continue to open our hearts and say, God, I will give you the best of me. Now, I want to say a word of prayer. And then feel free to come to the altar. This team, this prayer team, is ready to pray for you. Share with them what it is you want prayer for. It can, you can say, you know, I fall, I've fallen from the horse. I want to get back on the horse. Or it could be, you know, I've been to church all my life, but I've never knew Jesus. Or it can be, you know, I want an experience with the Holy Spirit. Or it can just be, just pray for me for renewed strength. What, these are examples. We want to pray for you. Father God, you are an amazing God. And I thank you, Lord, because you have spoken to the heart of this congregation as you spoke to my heart. You spoke to the lives of these people as you spoke to my life, and you continue to do so. So, Heavenly Father, I just pray, and as we come forward for prayer, that you would convict us, Lord, and you would make things new. Lord Jesus, that this time I ask your Holy Spirit to rise these people up and bring them to the altar as you convict them, Lord. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We are ready. The altar is open. You can come for prayer as you feel led.